Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit On this week's Ludini Rock and Roll Circus podcast, we're going to talk about about 15 or so songs that everyone misinterprets. And we're going to give you the real meanings of these songs so you can brag to your friends the next time you're all hanging out on Zoom. And listening, you can say, "Uh, uh, 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 that's not what that song's about. I know what that song's about because I heard it on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Stick around. Get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. My name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. And in the house tonight, we have Lily V6 from Rock Rage Radio. What's up, Lily V6? Hola. Still recovering from the birthday weekend. From so. the birthday weekend. Yeah. Which was Thursday. Was it fun? <laughs> it was fun. You was there. Was I there? <laughs> it was so much fun, I forgot that I was there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, it was Lily's birthday this weekend. We had a good time. Lots of, it was, uh, lots of things going on. It was Lily's 29th birthday. <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> you don't look a day over 25. Uh, liar from hell. Um, anyways, guys, <laughs> you listen to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Keith the Hawk Hawkins is on vacation for the next few weeks. He's uh, entertaining uh, some out-of-town uh, visitors. Uh, him and... Uh, Samantha love doing that. They are awesome hosts. If you ever get a chance to go, if Keith ever says, hey, come to my house, you know, and hang out, like you definitely need to, to go. Right, Lily? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, super fun. The super fun. They they're, show you all the best things. They, they, <laughs> they are a total blast to hang out with. So uh, we love you, Keith, and uh, have a good couple of weeks off, brother. You deserve it. Speaking of a brother from another mother, I want to talk about my brother, Chris Thunderwolf Dodson of WolfsCustoms.online. Listen, guys. I keep telling you about this. There's no reason to get on stage or in front of a, your Zoom camera or whatever you're doing with the same boring-looking guitar. Boring. That's a loud, lot of distortion there. Boring-looking <laughs> guitar that uh, everybody else has. So, you know, instead of a, pl- a black, a red, a green, whatever, you could get a hold of WolfsCustoms.online, Chris Thunderwolf Dodson. He could do hollow flash. They do engraving. They do all kind of very cool stuff. And they could take that same old Strat, Les Paul, um, Telecaster, Ibanez, Schecter, whatever it is that you play, and really make it stand out so that you stand out. Hey, you got to figure, man, the rock show is as much about the visual aspect is, as it is about the music. So why not get up there and have an awesome looking guitar, bass, ukulele, right? Cowbell. Cowbell, swinette, whatever it is that you like <laughs> to play. Um, so check it out. He can even, uh, uh, he can even spice up your sousaphone. So check it out at wolfscustoms.online. Wolf's I'm clipping. I want to get rid of this clipping. I'm going to fix that while Lily talks about her show. And tell us about Rock Rage Radio because they are one of our, uh, uh, our, our affiliates there. So talk to them. Talk to the folks about Rock Rage Radio. Rock Rage Radio is a worldwide online radio station that provides what, what we like on our end is the rock and metal side. But they give you all types of music from all genres. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's something that everybody will love, and it's free to download the app, um, or you can just go to rockrageradio.com and stream it from your computer at work if, you know, you're alone at work as I am all the time. And uh, it's just good times. They do countdowns, contests, the whole bit. So definitely go and take a look at that. My show is uh, Hot Licks with Lily 6 on Thursdays, 6 p.m. Eastern time. All right, guys. Um, So uh, we have a... Several things we want to discuss tonight, but mainly is our our topic is the song meanings that you didn't know about. But we're going to touch on a few other things this week as well. Um, we've got this day in music coming up, as well as SOS 2020. We want to talk about that? Save our stages. This is a local uh, Pittsburgh. Um, is it a charity movement? I, I, I think it's sort of a charity to raise money. 
Um, so we're going to talk right. about that a little bit a little bit later on. I want to thank Eric Roger for reaching out to me uh, for that with that, and uh, they have a they have a song too, and uh, we probably aren't going to play it this week, but maybe we'll, maybe we can get it in. Next week, we're we're waiting for it to be like officially released yeah, or something, it, right? Yeah, it gets debuted Friday, and they don't want it out before then. Yeah, so, so next so week we're going to chill play. on that, and I'm going to try to get Eric on to come and hang out with us on a podcast as well. We got a lot of cool stuff. I uh, talking to some bands that want to come on and hang out, and a lot of cool stuff coming up this year. So st- uh, stick around. So let's go ahead then and get into today's topic. So okay, what, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Well, we're talking about misunderstood songs this week. Misunderstood. Miss. Mi- misunderstood. Meaning. Miss. Miss. <laughs> songs that we understood. thought. Me- yes, obviously. Uh, songs me- that we thought meant one thing, but really don't mean that thing that we thought. If right. that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those of you who are on my mailing list, and shame on you if you're not, you can get on my mailing list by going to lulombardimusic.com and getting your free EP, and from there on, you'll never miss anything. I already spilled the beans on one of them. Is this on your list? Uh, no. Good riddance? That one is not on my list. Okay, so I'm going to just go ahead yeah, and start with that. Since, uh To catch up on what you maybe maybe have missed, this is kind of cool stuff you get when you when you uh, get on my, my list, free EPs, all kind of stuff. We have a, a, a Facebook group as well that is... Uh, uh, private you know we don't let any losers in just you guys that love great rock just the cool people but um i mean there's a lot of songs we know right free bird highway to hell we know what those songs are about it's like pretty straight up yeah you know what <laughs> i mean i think i'd be kind of like shocked if no free bird is about the existential uh plight of the uh northern seattle crane as it flies across the you know no. if that, somebody you know, free thinks bird that is they're about <laughs> yeah, we know what Freebird is about. Um, but there's a lot of rock tunes that are just completely misunderstood as Lily was bringing. And one of them is Good Riddance Time of Your Life by Green Day. And <laughs> it's completely misused by most people. You know, if you probably have fond memories of maybe belting this out, you know, at your middle school graduation. It's a lot of class songs, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's like a lot of class songs. <laughs> uh, or last night of your, you know, overnight camp with your friends, church camp or whatever you went to. So a lot of people like, you know, you know, the, you know, the time of your life. Yeah, you know. But it's not the, I had the time of my life. <laughs> not, not that song. Not from that movie. But uh, <laughs> that'd be great. They should replace the music and dirty dancing with metal or something. I digress. But many people <laughs> seem to misinterpret this lyric. You know, I hope you had the time of your life as a sort of earnest kind of like thing. But you're forgetting about the first half of the title, which is Good Riddance. <laughs> um, the uh, Green Day's lead vocalist, guitarist Billy Joe Armstrong, told Guitar Legends magazine back in 2005 that he wrote the song while breaking up with his girlfriend who was moving to Ecuador. Now, you know, if the bitch moves to Ecuador, you know, you'd be like, look, what the hell? I'd be bitter, you know, about it. See, I was trying to be understanding as I could. He says, but I wrote the song as a kind of bon voyage. I wasn't trying to be bitter, but I think it came out a little <laughs> bitter anyways. So it's not really a happy like, oh, we had the time of Aww. our... It isn't, it's not like the Bill Medley song from... From Dirty Dancing. It is not like that. It's not that at all. I think a lot of people think (laughs) that. That one's a straightforward song. That's a little bit more straightforward. (laughs) This is not what that is at all. So, these are the kind of things that we are going to be getting into tonight. So, all right. So, that'll get you set up for what we're getting into. So, go ahead, Lily. What do you got on your list first? I'm going to go with The Clash's London Calling first from 1979. Um, People think it's super political. But it's uh, less about British politics and more about Joe Strummer's personal fear of drowning. Let me explain. <laughs> really, Mick I jo- thought this song. I heard a. I heard this song was about um, global warming. No, uh, Mick Jones. <laughs> Mick Jones mentioned that his band's nervousness regarding the 1979 newspaper headline about the possibility of the Thames River overflowing and flooding London. The band did not react to this news very well. Uh- um, the nagging fear of drowning propelled Strummer's first few drafts of the song lyrics, at least until Jones stepped in to uh, broaden the scope, and it became a warning about the doom of everyday life. But it, the base of it is fear of drowning, <laughs> which I did not know until I read the interviews. <laughs> These crazy rock and rollers <laughs> and their crazy ideas. It kind of changes the song for me a little, but that's okay. <laughs> I can handle it. Because that's one of the very few... Clash songs I like. I know I curse me 
dead for not liking Clash that much. But I do like that song. I don't want to overlap with you. Is this on your list? No, I do have one by him on my list. Okay, not that one. that's all right. We can. We love. You know, we don't talk enough. About John Mellencamp. I don't think we've ever talked about John I don't think we've ever talked about And he's a great songwriter, great singer, great performer. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, this is your introduction on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus to John Mellencamp. Jack and Diane uh, is like a sort of, it feels like an unambiguous song, right? You know, boy meets girl, you know, dribble off them. Everybody's all like happy and harmonious. Um, Except for one crucial detail. According to Mellencamp, Jack isn't meant to be a white guy. Now, um, I, with everything going on in the world right now, and I, we don't get political here, but this is maybe kind of a timely thing to talk about, yeah, right? sure. Okay, this is real. Okay, according to Mellencamp, this is really a song about race relationships and a white girl being with a black guy, and that's really what the song is about. Mellencamp said he explained to his record company back in 1982 the record execs were not impressed and purportedly told Mellencamp, whoa, you can't make him something other than that. Um, Oh, oh, can't you make him something other than that? He eventually agreed to cut the lyrics, making it explicit that Jack is African-American and focus instead on him being a football star. Uh, Mellencamp's most successful hit single may not be remembered as a celebration of biracial relationships, but that's definitely where it began. So now, when you listen to Jack and Diane... Now you know. Right. There's a lot of African American dudes that are big football stars, right? You can kind of like you make can, a little. You can like, make that picture yeah, you now. You can make a little. You know, put that picture in your mind. Um, I. This is so funny that this song comes up because. Uh, I uh, was jamming around on the guitar the other day and just started accidentally playing the riff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, cool song, man. I, I remember. You remember? You're too young to remember when this came out. I don't remember when it came out, but I'm very familiar with the yeah, song. Yeah, that. Uh, that riff with that uh, eighty-two. Acu- I mean, I was with that year. acoustic guitar <laughs> and everything was just—it was really unique sounding. It was an unusual sounding song, and it really caught people's attention. Great arrangement, great production, uh, great drum playing by Ker- uh, Kenny Aronoff as well. Uh, what do you got next? Lily? Well, to go off of that, there is a movie called Sugar and Spice that's out, and the main characters are Jack and Diane, and ah. who was a football star. So that could confuse people too about that. Um, also, <laughs> um, there was a song parody. Because when this came out, it was around the same time that Princess Diana and uh, Charles got together. Mm. So there was a song parody called Chuck and Diane. <laughs> Chuck and D. <laughs> die. Chuck and die. Lady die. <laughs> what do you got? Well, I'm going to go off your John Mellencamp and pick my, give you my choice. Which was See, you don't hear any John Mellencamp and now you hear for it 10 all. years on this podcast. <laughs> now, twice in one podcast, John Mellencamp. So, Pink Houses. Oh, great song. Um, it was a rebuke of the early 1980s Reaganomics and the conservative greed is good culture of the time, uh, of the 80s, 83. Um, however, it's uplifting music and Ain't That America chorus often has led to the song being misunderstood as a simple patriotic tune, <laughs> which it is not. It's against Reaganomics is basically what it is. But those who've misunderstood the song include conservative political candidates and organizations who've used the song only to receive public ridicule from the liberal Mellon camp. Well... Um, John, I hate to disagree with you. <laughs> Greed is good. And, In the uh, 80s it was. And uh, if you have, uh, that's what makes the world go around, man, is people <laughs> wanting to, like, expand their, uh, you know, sphere to grow, you know? Uh, maybe it's a greed, you know. It could be. But that <laughs> wanting to have more and grow, I mean, that's why we have all the wonderful things we have today. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, you know, so so we have a two balance camps. And what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna jump. <clears throat> nice segue into this next one here, because uh, we uh, there's so much happened with Van Halen in the past few months, with Eddie passing and everything like that. So we had to get a Van Halen song on. We had here. to slide that in there. We had to slide a little Van Halen <laughs> in here. Actually, we're gonna jump into a little, <coughs> jump into a little Van Halen. Few songs in music history have seemed like as innocuous as Jump. Right? It's a what? It seems like a happy, fun, might as well jump, right? A song in which David Lee Roth implores us to jump a lot. This is not a song like about aerobics or doing the pogo. <laughs> we danced the pogo in the 80s. Uh, not, it doesn't seem like it's like, it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot like deep meaning to this. But Roth revealed that the song's origins are actually much darker than anyone could have guessed. 
He said, I was watching television one night, and it was the 5 o'clock news, and there was a fellow standing on top of the Arco Towers in Los Angeles. Uh, he was about to check out early, as uh, Roth says. He was uh, going to do a 33-story drop. And there was a whole crowd of people in the parking lot down, you know, at the bottom yelling, Don't jump! Don't jump! And David said, I thought to myself, jump. <laughs> so I wrote it down, and ultimately it made it onto the record. So wow, just like that, the song that always made us smile because it was silly and fun <laughs> has become the most depressing song about suicide ever. And you're welcome. <laughs> so you have it here on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Jump is not a fun song. It's still a fun Never song. mind the silly keyboard music by... I, I don't think he told Eddie... I get the impression that, like, it was kind of a joke. <laughs> you know, I don't think this ever came up. I th- I, Eddie, rest in peace. You know, uh, I think if he would read this, he would be like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. I didn't know that. <laughs> he's, he's probably scratching his head right now. <laughs> you know, some people's kids. That's all I got to say. Some people's kids. <laughs> you know you and I would be yelling, jump. Get yeah. out. Get off it. <laughs> jump. Jump. Yeah, not don't jump. Jump. <laughs> Come on, we want to see some blood, guts, and gore. So what's uh, so what do you got next? Next on my list is Brian Adams' Summer of 69. We're, it, it's as, dir- oh, it's as yeah, dirty as it sounds. This. Yeah, um, We think it's about the singer's nostalgia for the summer of that year. He would have been 10, by the way. He was born in 59, so there's no nostalgia for him unless it's playing with his like Hot Wheels. Um, it's actually referenced to the sexual position of the same name. In 2008, Adams told CBS News that a lot of people think it's about the year, but actually it's more about making love in the summertime. It's using 69 as a sexual reference. So anybody who laughs at the number 69 or the word 69, you are correct in this case to make fun of it. Um, I want to share a, a story about that. So I, I, should have re- I could have included this uh, story in the email, too. This would have been a little bit more personal. But um, that song came out. What, this, do you have the year when that came out? Uh, 1984. 84, okay. So in 19... So so when the, the, the song came out, and there was a review, and I can't remember if it was a Musician Magazine or Rolling Stone Magazine, where they talked about this song. If it was a bad review, it was, a, it was Rolling Stone. And um, <laughs> they were like, you know, in 69, Brian Adams was only seven years old. It's <laughs> unlikely... That he was working at a drive-in. It's unlikely that you know he was in a band and members quitting and getting married. It's just like this is completely silly. Anyway, <laughs> they missed how freaking cool the lyrics actually are. The summer of getting it on '69, <laughs> getting it on '69 style. That was the, it. Wasn't the literal year 1969. Um, well, a lot of the lyrics are stuff that he has done. It's just. Right, not, right, right. wasn't in 69. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a great song, and it's a super fun song. And um, that, that's just so people like get a bug. I think that, um, you know, they critics a lot of times get a bug up their butt about a certain performer. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And there's just, they just will never let it go. Until they see, like, years, years, years later how everybody loves them, and then they're like, oh, we take it back. Well, I'm going to talk about somebody that critics really hated. Okay. Lily still hates. <laughs> um,. But uh, have come around. The world's biggest, most famous independent rock band. Fans of Prague rock legends Rush might be tempted to overanalyze a song like The Trees. Okay, and I, this is one of those songs that like, because when Neil died, I mean, one of the things that Keith and I talked about was like, Keith was like, oh my God, what a loss to drummers. I'm like, what a loss to songwriting. Just an amazing lyricist. And The Trees was always one of those songs that I would hear, even as a young kid, and I was trying to put it together. I knew he wasn't, you know, literally talking about trees. Or was he? Hmm. You never know. The story (laughs) of unrest in the forest with anthropomorphic maple and oak trees battling for sunlight sure does sort of feel like an allegory for civil rights or libertarian politics. Um, They were big fans of Ayn Rand. uh, So uh, uh, Neil was like, you know, kind of had like a lot of libertarian ideas. Thank you, Neil. (laughs) Um, Neil's deep. Um, you know, or something like that, or maybe a cautionary tale about the futility of war, right? But when Rush drummer lyric, uh, and lyricist Neil Peart was asked during an interview with Modern Drummer Magazine to explain the song, he said it was much, much more simpler. So this is the opposite, right? The Brian Adams thing was like a little bit more in-depth. Right. This is more simple. He said, he said it was much more simpler than any of that. 
I saw a cartoon picture of these trees carrying on like fools. And Peart, 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 sorry, Peart said, I thought, what if trees acted like people? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Oh, that Neil. That's it. <laughs> so what if trees went around carrying on like morons like we do? <laughs> oh that's God. basically what the trees is about. I would hate to see that. <laughs> Good. It's a, uh, yeah, d- d- don't overthink. Sometimes don't overthink it. Sometimes just rock out. Just rock out. Just don't enjoy the song. Just enjoy the song. <laughs> just enjoy it. Just enjoy the song. Uh, what do you got? Um, I've got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, American Girl. Um, it was. I know. It's, it's about Buffalo Bill punching that girl and bringing a dragon her into the back of his van and taking her out, throwing her down the well and telling her to rub the lotion on her skin. Right? That's what Close. It's, oh, darn. <laughs> This 1977 standard was not inspired by a University of Florida girl who committed suicide by jumping from the Beatty Towers balcony. It does reference that. A girl's alone on her balcony. However, in the book Conversations with Tom, um, he states it becomes it became a huge urban myth down in Florida. That's just not at all true. The guitarist Mike Campbell has backed Petty up, stating that some interpretations of the song took the lyrics at face value. Some people take it literally and out of context, but to him, it was just a beautiful love song about an American girl. And everybody thought, everybody thought it was about suicide. So unlike Jump, it will always be in my mind from Silence of the Lambs. Now I know, right? It will I, forever. I mean, that works though. And it's in another movie. We talked about this. I'm like, and I saw this movie. Like, shit, American Girl, and it's another creepy thing. Oh well. I don't know which movie you mean. Oh man, I'm gonna have to we'll have to, we'll have to Google that <laughs> for next week, or or Duck Duck Go it. I, I quit using Google. I'm using Duck Duck Go. I, I encourage everybody out there to get the Brave browser and get rid of Google. Google is just like <laughs> sucking. Google's becoming the way of everything else. Now, so You're sorry. sucking your data, and they're spying on you. Bad Google. I'm gonna talk about this next song now. I have, have been on a kick for this movie. I'm going to watch it again. A movie called Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I have this to watch is that. a freaking. Oh, you have to see this movie. I it, know it's on there's, my list. There's a there's this fight in a stairwell that is you feel like you're in the fight. It's an amazing movie. I it was not like what I was expecting. I was expecting like Salt. Did you ever see Salt? With the, I did, and it was that was kind of a yawn. Very lame. Yeah. It's very like yeah. It was. Um, Less inspiring than I thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was really disappointed in it, and I got sucked into it again. And I thought, well, maybe I should give it another chance. Absolutely, it was worse the second time. Um, it's just a salt is a very like, and you could tell they were like uh, hoping for a sequel. The way it ends, mm. like this was like the, like it was a sort of like, and the adventure will continue. But like, thank God, the adventure. Died. But Atomic Blonde is not like Salt. Atomic Blonde is a really badass movie, and it has three versions of this song. I'm going to talk about right now on it. The song '99 Luft. Luft balloons. Of course, you have to do the German Luft accent. balloons. <laughs> Arnold. I don't know what I'm doing, but everything about this catchy one-hit wonder sounds like '80s synthesizer fluff, right? Come on, it's a song about balloons. Like, how much more light, airy, and fun can you get? Uh, has there ever been a song more inconsequential? Well, well. if you think about that. <laughs> You might want to listen again. There's a bigger story happening in this tune than just a bunch of balloons taking flight. It was inspired by something lead singer Gabrielle Kerner witnessed at a Rolling Stones concert in West Berlin during the Tattoo You tour. Mick Jagger released thousands of balloons at the end of the concert, she recalled. They were all picked up by the wind and carried in the direction of East Berlin over the Berlin Wall. I'll never forget that image. She and guitarist lyricist Carlo Cargas, Cargas, I would Cargis? say that's probably wrong. But. Imagined what might happen if the balloons were mistaken for UFOs, which led to various countries shooting missiles at each other and inevitably full-on nuclear war. Yes, that's right. Ninety-nine Luft balloons is about nuclear devastation caused by an innocent bundle of balloons released into the sky by Mick Jagger. Holy smokes! That's a lot of things. There's a whole <laughs> lot going on there. So there's a kind of element of a real story that, which is like, leads to like this imaginated, 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 uh, 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 imagine, imagined story that these these UFOs are mis- these balloons are mistaken. 
for UFOs. Why can't I talk? Why did anybody give me a freaking podcast when I can't talk? <laughs> You're doing great. Lee's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's in therapy for that. It's okay. My speech therapist said I have to work on it. Um, sorry, if you have a speech Sick. impediment, I, I don't really apologize. <laughs> but so the, the, and there's UFOs in this story. There's nuclear war. And it just seems like this do 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 do. That's a great riff, by the way. Mm-hmm. I always like that that riff. But check out the movie Atomic Blonde. There's like three different versions of it. There's an emo version at the end. There's a German version in there. Mm. It's very uh, it's great soundtrack. But in any case, yeah, ninety nine Luft balloons. And now you know what? I kind of like the song a hell of a lot more. You didn't like it before. Oh, I I thought it was a cool song, but now I'm like Ugh. now you have a new respect yeah, for it like because you know what it's what, that's it because you know because what it's, it's about. about violence and war and killing <laughs> and Mick Jagger shows and Mick Jagger yeah the, I mean anything with Mick Jagger right <laughs> remember the time you mentioned Mick Jagger on and the Keith show Keith almost had a Peef, heart attack Keith Keith <laughs> see I can't talk Keith had like a, a nuclear meltdown yeah. speaking of nuclear meltdowns yeah he had a 99 loop balloon his, yeah. <laughs> Lost his 99 loop balloon right over the Berlin Wall. And now I'm kind of gentle and delicate when I talk about it. This is not where I thought the story was going. When I first read this, I thought she was going to say, the balloons went over the Berlin Wall and we were thinking about, you know. Taking the wall down. Yeah, the wall coming down and freedom and everything. And I was like, I was going to get kind of a little emotional because I believe I'm a hardcore believe in freedom kind of guy. But no, no, not at all. <laughs> it went to the UFO. It went to, we went and to war. UFOs and nuclear war. And, and Mick Jagger. And Mick war, Jagger. UFO, and Mick Jagger. Like, so who'd have thought? You can keep that in your mind from now on. That's whenever. a great, like, talking point at a party. Instead of talking about serial killers like I like to do, maybe you want to bring that up instead. Well, see, this is what we're, why we're doing this for you guys. <laughs> this is our public service to you. When you're hanging out with your with your bros and this song comes on, like, oh, turn this off. Like, no, 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 no. You guys don't know how cool this song really is. And they'll go like, whoa. <laughs> Works oh. if you have a little dope, too. So what do you got, Lily? Um, next, I'm going to talk about the police and every breath you take. Because... This is one of, like, probably the most misunderstood songs ever. And because it's not a love song, like everybody seems to think it is. Um, It sounds like a love song. It, like, it's it's beautiful and light and fluffy. But, um, and it did become the biggest hit of 1983. But he was inspired, Sting was inspired writing this song after he and, and his first wife separated. He explained during the interview with New Musical Express in 83 that the song is rather evil. It talks about jealousy, stalking, and obsession. Um, and it is pretty hilarious as some people may use it as their wedding song. I'm sorry if it's your wedding song. Um, it does have a lovely tone, but the meaning of it could kind of damage your you know, whole scene going on at your wedding. So Yeah, that, this song is really about the guy that shows up at your wedding and is like... What like st- like trying to like, Bra- trying to stop stalk it, your break st- it up uh, like stalk your bride like he's like Michael Myers in the corner with the knife at your wedding, you know that kind of thing. I don't know if that happens, but <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So I'm um, um, sorry I, if that's your wedding song, guys. It's actually a bad song. <laughs> you know, this song reminds me of this movie and I, I'm sure Lily you've seen this movie I know which movie you're going to say you know, what movie am I going to say Goodfellas nope fuck I don't know oh F what? I don't know <laughs> uh, we got to edit I, love, I always say we're going to edit that out later we never <laughs> <laughs> whoopsie sorry that's why every podcast has to be marked as explicit just in case <laughs> but it reminds me I've done that in a while <laughs> it reminds me of the, you're gonna and I'll explain this. It reminds me of the wedding singer. It does. Think about that movie for a second. I I, I gotta be honest with you. Okay. Some of these yeah, yeah. some of these rom coms are creepy. Check it out. He's supposed to be helping her with her, her wedding, not Matt trying to like uh, insinuate himself Woo in her. Yeah, into into <laughs> her life and, and pull her away from her fiance. He's I kind of a dick. He, he kind of is. I mean, and but she if, didn't love the other guy. For yeah, real. she right. wanted him for his money. She probably well. I mean, that's and, true and, life. Okay, and also, it's not real life because in real life, she would be like, "Yeah, all oh, the wedding singer guy is cute," but she would never. She'd be like, "This guy, what's his name? Glenn. Glenn. Glenn is going to provide me with a lot of money and a lot of babies, and I'm not going to have to worry, and I'm not going to have to. That's really. He bought her CD she's player. not going to go for the Adam Sandler guy. <laughs> <clears throat> But in any case, so it's an 80s movie. It's a movie about 80s music. 
and that's an 80s song and it's a kind of same thing like him kind of like being kind of creepy in my opinion like going after this chick that he should just be yeah she's but- not available no <laughs> she has the do not word that Lily just said stamped on her forehead do not oh. stamped on her forehead nope yeah but she'll boink him once wow I mean she will I anyway I, get to the song <laughs> I, I did I did I did boink somebody like a couple days before their wedding one time many years ago <laughs> So cliche. I'm not proud of it, but I, I kind of am. <clears throat> this next song, I freaking hate. This is one of those songs that, like, if I never hear again, it uh, will be uh, too soon. I'm kind of over it for several reasons. Um, I played in a band with this guy, and he um, would he did we did the song every night, and he would always dedicate it to his beautiful wife, who was like, eh. And um, it was, uh I just never want to play it ever again, or never. I don't even want to hear it. It's just one of those songs. Like, um, I we've we we did a Facebook post a, uh, a few months ago. Like, what song comes on you immediately? You can't change the station. I don't think you on. brought this one up, did you? <clears throat> this is this is definitely one for me. Clapton has never been so syrupy sweet. I agreed as his love ballad to his future wife Patty Boyd, also known as. Uh, the ex Mrs. George Harrison and the woman who once had Clapton on his knees in the song Layla. So the song Layla and Wonderful Tonight are about the same woman. Already, I'm, it's obnoxious. But <laughs> while this tune doesn't seem to be anything but an unabashed adoration, Cla- uh, does Clapton do anything but tell his lady friend that she looks wonderful? She's wonderful. He loves her so very much, right? It's all he does, really? Is that all he does? Boyd once claimed that just listening to this song could be torture. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, and they are divorced, by the way. Surprise! <clears throat> what is it all about? Rumor has it that Wonderful Tonight was written when Boyd and Clapton were getting ready to attend a party hosted by Paul and Linda McCartney, a celebration wow. of Buddy Holly's birthday. Boyd was taking longer than usual to get ready, and every time she tried on a new outfit, outfit Clapton said, You look wonderful. Can we please go now? Right? That happens. That, well, that never actually, happens, right? That actually does not happen to me, but it happens to a lot of people. <laughs> he eventually grew bored of waiting and picked up a guitar and wrote Wonderful Tonight on the spot as a sarcastic, uh, you know, sort of homage to Boyd's inability to make a decision. <laughs> that's a lot of women. <laughs> um, okay, that's cool. I still hate the song. <laughs> he likes the sarcasm. He still hates the song. Yeah, I love the sarcasm, but hate the song. And it, there it is. Yeah. We actually have some Oh, per- yeah, let's get into that. I meant today. to do that. We're about halfway through, so what do you got? We got Charlie Doyle. Charlie! We love you! And he says, what's up, Lou? What's up, what's Charlie up, Doyle? We love you! <laughs> we got Bill Damiano. Bill! Bill, you got to interview me, man. I'm releasing a new song. We've got Josh Monadoro. Josh! What's up? And that's all we have on people talking, and all they're saying is hi to each other. So. Hi, 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 hi. <laughs> talk to your friends. Just talk amongst yourselves. Right. <laughs> so thank you for watching. And listening. Okay, so I believe, I believe for every drop of rain that falls, Lily will talk about a song. So what do you got next? Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. By the Beatles. 1967. Um, Wait a minute. 1967 was the year Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was released, right? Sergeant Peppers. Yes. But it's, that's a, it's, a, it's an important year for one way, way bigger reason. It was the year that Ludini was born. Oh, well, that's the obviously. birth of Ludini. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, we're I, not talking I, about I, that right now. Uh, uh, but we'll talk that's about important that in May. Uh, so, what do you got? Um, it's not about getting high on LSD. And if you got, uh, if you did LSD and listened to the song, you found you, you somehow thought that it was about LSD. It is not about LSD. Uh, it was inspired by a certain person named Lucy O'Donnell, who was uh, the classmate of John Lennon's son Julian. Um, at Heath House School. He drew a picture of stars in the sky and called it Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um, the identity of Lucy was confirmed later by Julian when she sadly passed away in 2009 because of complications from lupus. So it was not about getting high, maybe, but about this little girl that his son was friends with. So, And he drew a picture. And the picture's cute. You can Google it. That's all I got. <laughs> Uh, it's about LSD. I don't think it's about LSD. <clears throat> it absolutely. I is. think maybe they were on LSD they when they made wrote the that, song. No, no, they made that up. They made that up because they were being like 
like Keith Richards got in all kind of trouble for drugs, and I think that they were so terrified that, of that that they made the up Beatles stories. don't give an f. Come on, they don't care. They don't want to go to jail. They don't care. Yes, they care. Half of them are dead anyway. <laughs> it's not about LSD. Get that out of your head. Be nice. It's about LDS. It's a nice song about a little girl who's dead now, so be nice. Wow. <laughs> so you can't criticize it because there's a girl. First of all, I can't criticize anything that, that has a, to do with a girl. That's not true. And, I criticize girls <laughs> all the time. Oh, you can't because you have a vagina. I criticize vagina guys Vagina people can, can, can... Vagina people are allowed to criticize anybody. Is that a rule? You, if you have a vagina, you can say whatever you want. That's not true. And if I say that you're not allowed <laughs> to say that, then I'm a sexist pig, Nazi, you know... Sexist, egotistical. Yeah, exactly. All that. Exactly. So, let's talk about... I'm going to switch gears a little. This is not a rock song, but everybody knows this song. And there is a um, there's a great uh, video on YouTube that discusses the history of, of Dolly Parton and her relationship with Porter Wagner... Um, oh, I know the song. And this is and it's and this is not really the like it is a love song, but it is not a love song in the like in the boy girl sense. kind of sense. Okay, it's hard to listen to um, this Dolly Parton classic made famous by Whitney Houston. So I will always love you. In case you're like don't really know is in a case Dolly you're under Parton. a rock. You, people forget like Dolly Parton is just not like uh, you know an attractive lady in her late seventies with giant boobs. She is a songwriter. She's written like a, tons of songs. has a giant catalog of songs. But it's hard to listen to this song. It was made famous by Whitney Houston in the early 90s and not think that it's a romantic song about a romantic relationship like coming to an end. But when Parton originally wrote the song in 73, she meant as a farewell to her mentor and longtime singing partner, Porter Wagner. She played it for him as a way of breaking the news that she was about to go solo and their professional relationship was over. Or as Parton explained later, years later, it's saying, just because I'm going... Don't mean I won't love you. I appreciate you. I hope you do great, and I appreciate everything you've done. But I am out of here. She knew. She knew she had to. Like she was. She was destined to be a star. Mm. She. She had it. She had it. You know, and it was. And they had a giant falling out over her wanting to do this, and eventually, <laughs> she, <laughs> she. She went out of her way to repay him and if you want to you can look it up and I don't want to get into the whole story here it's a kind of kind of a long thing but when you when you find out the whole story about what happened between those two you will walk away with massive respect for this woman she's not only a massive star and a songwriter and was a sex symbol in her day but she is like a decent person mm. like oh yeah she's like one of the straight good straight people in the whole world, she knew where the bread was buttered. She knew who who helped get her started. Started. She she had, she know she knew that she owed a lot to Porter Wagner for kind of get, getting her out there, and so she worked it out with him. And uh, you know, it, it was it's a, it's a beautiful story. Look it up when you get. So a chance. it's sort Walk of like a swan song from yeah. Him. It's kind of like yeah to, for him like saying I love you, but I gotta go do my thing. Peace, brah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I do love Dolly Parton. She's just super sweet, like syrup. <laughs> just so nice. And how about them boobs? <laughs> Which I hear she's had reduced quite a few times. <laughs> that could be a myth. What did, what did Johnny Carson say to her? I don't even remember. He said something like, you know, I'd give I'd give an entire year's salary to have a peek underneath that dress. Or <laughs> Poor thing probably has back problems. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you got next? Anyway, Tutti Fruity by Little Richard. Tutti Fruity! I'm sure everybody's heard the song. You just um, heard it. You just heard it sung by Lou. <laughs> um, it's fun. It's catchy. You like to dance to it. Um, but if you really listen, uh, you'll notice that the song is about the rough life in which Little Richard went through. Um, he talks about how he was inspired to write the song. Uh, he was working as a dishwasher at a bus station in his hometown in Georgia. Um, it was uh, in response to his boss who continually gave him more dishes to wash. And he just kept getting more angry. So he would say... The wop, babaloo, wop, whatever it is. And then that's what he would say to his boss because he couldn't talk back to his boss because he would get in trouble. So that's what his response was to it. But um, he wrote the song in the kitchen as well as Good Golly Miss Molly and Long Tall Sally. So he wrote a lot of his songs while doing his dishwashing job. I wish I could write songs while I'm typing on the computer. <laughs> 
Do you have this on your list? I did not put that on my list. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about it then. Um, surprised. Because you're like... I try to avoid things. I forgot Keith wasn't going to be on. Li- I try to avoid things like li- that. Lily, v- Lily Von Kiss. <laughs> Lily Von Motley Crue. Right. But uh, so we're going to talk about Detroit Rock City. I love that breakdown. I love that song. That's one of my favorite riffs of all time. This, uh, the first song on Destroyer. Arguably Kiss's best album, Keith, I hope you're not listening to this, is widely considered a party anthem and a tribute to the city of Detroit. But it's also a tragic tale of a teenage fan who learned too late that there are worse things than being late to a Kiss concert. Is there? I don't know about that. Is there anything worse than being late to a Kiss concert, Lily? Being late to a Motley Crue concert. <laughs> I have one like that. <laughs> lead singer. However, I've never been late to any concert. <laughs> lead singer Paul Stanley admitted that the song wasn't all fist-bumping rock celebration, but was actually inspired by a real Kiss fan who died in a car crash, hitting a truck in a head-on collision while speeding to make it to the show on time. Wow. I, thought, I did not know that. How odd. How striking, and the juxtaposition of someone coming to a KISS concert, which celebrates being alive, to end up losing their life. Stanley recalled, that was the twist of Detroit Rock City. Whether this mythical fan death actually happened has been a subject of much debate. And one devoted sleuth is still trying to identify the accident that may have inspired the song. So we're a little bit like, eh, maybe like rock legend or rock one urban of those, legend. Yeah, one of those urban legends uh, that we've talked about many rock times. Rock myth. <laughs> um, it's like the cover of Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah. And I saw uh, because all the um, uh, Eddie Trunk um, what's the show? Metal show. That, that metal, metal show. show. <clears throat> They're all on YouTube now. And I saw the one with Vinnie Paul, and he's like, yeah, that guy got punched in the face like 30 times and was paid $10 each time he got punched in the face. <laughs> Which and, isn't true. It absolutely is not true. <laughs> That's a, like a like an actor, like That's a model. part and of a, the you know, yeah. fantasy. <laughs> so, but, I, yeah, it's cool, man, because there is that sort of mythos around rock. That's what makes it cool. That's why we love it. Well, there's, there's a movie the- called Detroit Rock City about kids trying to get to a Kiss concert, but they don't die. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Isn't that kid from The Terminator in there? Yeah. yeah. What's Eddie Furlong. Ed Furlong. He's in there. Mm-hmm. So what do you got next, Lilith? Next, I have... What else do I have? I got a couple things here. I have got Money for Nothing, Dire Straits. And your chicks for free. And your chips for free. Is it chips? No, it's not. Oh. Like, Whoa, like there's a misheard lyric. <laughs> no. oh, I thought it was chicks. It's about chips. It's about how much they love chips. They're from England. It gots to have the fish and the chips. I like the chips. I what like do you got? Chips. Uh, it became one of the rock anthems for MTV. People thought the entire song is a portrayal of the electronics guy who seems to be an ignorant bigot. Um <laughs> Showing his uh, attitude towards the musicians that he often sees on MTV. The song talks about the rock star excess and the way it gives an easy life compared to the people who are really working hard to earn their living. Um, Mark Knopfler was inspired after overhearing the conversations of a delivery man, or men, excuse me, in a department store in New York. Many of the lyrics that Mark Knopfler had written for the song were things that the workers actually said. So it's not about the workers being poo-pooed on, it's just about, or no, the workers poo-pooing rock stars, it's about the rock stars not having to work for anything. So, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> that ain't working. That's the way you do it. <clears throat> if um, I was I, a rock star, I'd do it too. So. Uh, I think too, it, it's a shame. You know, that, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. Uh, th- there's the second verse. If you hear it on the radio nowadays, the second verse is omitted. It's uh, too bad. Yeah, uh, I think that's so dumb. Sp- uh, well, let's stick with the 80s, right? Oh. As I hit my glasses on my microphone. <laughs> uh, note to staff, no more uh, bourbon should be served at podcasts. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> note to the galley. Write that down. No, I'll have another drink. Um, <laughs> uh, there's uh, Coronas in there. I saw them. Okay, sorry. It's a little light on White Claw this week. That's so. okay. We're good. So uh, I love this song, and I've been wanting to do a heavy, like, metal version of it with a female vocalist. So if you want to do that with me, I want to do this song, let me know. I'm looking for somebody who wants to do this. This is, uh, this song, (laughs) 
is a Jim, Jim Steinman song. For of course people it forget is. that Jim Steinman did not just work for Beatloaf, worked for Air Supply, Celine Dion, and his this, songs are epic. And this song <laughs> is just as epic as any of those. Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. Sometimes breakup songs take a tearful look at a relationship that fell apart, and sometimes they're not about breakups at all, but really about vampires. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Wait, what? Jim Steinman, the guy who penned Total Eclipse of the Heart for Bonnie Tyler, says the song's original title was Vampires in Love. I might have liked that better. <laughs> and if you listen carefully to the lyrics, they're really like vampire lines, he says. It's all about the darkness. The power of darkness loves place in the dark. Give it a listen, and you'll see what he means. Lyrics like, and if you only hold me tight, we'll be holding on forever. Sure does sound like a vampire's declaration I of literally undying love. I literally got goosebumps over that. <clears throat> you see, you probably have a whole new respect for this song, just like I do for 99 Luke I mean, Luke. I still love this song, but now I just love it even more. <laughs> It's a great song, and I'm being very serious. If you are a female vocalist out there and you have any interest, I want to cut a metal version of this, super heavy, but I need a great female singer. So Not, not me. Hit me, up. hit me up. Hit me up, Lou at com. Okay. I hope you get someone good for that because that We're is gonna, not me. Lily's going to do one more and then we need we have some other business to do. Unamas. So, born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen, 1984, so we'll just... Ended out in the 80s for me. In the USA. <laughs> Most people thought it was a patriotic song about American pride, but it's actually uh, a song that casts a shameful eye on how America treated its Vietnam veterans. Um, it's, it is easy to think that it has more to do with American pride than Vietnam shame. The song captures the desperate feeling of a working class citizen in post-Vietnam America, but it's an example of when people sort of hear what they want to hear in music. So there it is. There it is. And and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. <clears throat> yeah, I remember <laughs> Reagan came out and made some kind of comment about how much he liked the song. And, oh, Springsteen lost his mind. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, a lot of people, like, you, all you rockers, one of the reasons why you guys were so successful in the 80s is because of the, like, econ- economy we had. So, I mean, why don't you just give all that money back? I'll take some of it. I mean, I'll take some. Yeah, I mean, right now. We should be hitting you guys up since you don't want that money. So why don't you like don't you give, give us a stimulus? <laughs> yeah, that'll be our stimulus, right? <laughs> um, I want to talk about SOS 2020. Now, Lily, you know about this as well, right? A little bit, yes. You know a little <laughs> bit about it. Uh, the SOS stands for Save Our Stages, and um, they're trying to help save some of the great venues. Iconic venues, if you will, here in the Pittsburgh area. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected nearly every aspect of life and business. Across the country, thousands of local venues, promoters, bookers have experienced devastating losses of revenue and increased debt. Nearly 90% have suggested they run the risk of significant financial hardship or closure in the, up, in the upcoming months. Listen, guys, we already lost the Rex Theater. Need I say more? Howlers. How, we lost Howlers. Um, we have already lost countless venues in Pittsburgh since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, scamdemic. While the CARES Act and PPP loans and other stimulus programs have provided like a little bit of assistance on many aspects of our local community businesses, these programs often overlook the unique needs and at, uh, attributes of our local music venues. So what has happened is um, Eric Rogers. Is that his name? Rod- Eric Roger. Eric Roger. From, I apologize, uh, Royal Honey. From Ro- Royal Honey. Eric is a uh, great singer. Guitarist. Guitarist, musician, and um, he put together a, like, benefit song, right? Is that what it is? Like yeah, a- it's Save Our Stages Pittsburgh is the song. And, uh, you know, kind of like we, we Are the World. It is sort of like that, yes. And, <laughs> and um, um, it, it's a collaboration of more than 60 musicians from 27 bands in the Pittsburgh area. Um, the song actually releases this Friday, um, the 8th. January. Uh, you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening to it. These podcasts are evergreen. They're up forever, so you may be listening to it a year later. So, so there it is. But yeah. it's, if you are, it's out then. Um, but you can stream it, download it. Um, the money will... Um, it raises awareness money and, uh, to, and incite action from the Pittsburgh community. But you can... there. There's a website, www.sos2020pgh.org. 
with the whole website that explains the whole thing, too, if you didn't listen to anything Once we just said. Once the song is officially released, we will go ahead and play. We'll take a break. I, I think we can do this safely without I don't any, think you're going to get your hand smacked for this. Yeah, uh, getting in any, <laughs> who knows, freaking Facebook and YouTube. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, um, so check it out, SOS2020PGH.org. Go check them out. Support it, please. Uh, we're going to sell. Uh, we're gonna um, share this around as well. I'll have my team uh, share this uh, around um, repeatedly on uh, social media so we can get the word out. So check it out. Eric, uh, thank you for reaching out to me, and I would love to have you on the podcast. Um, as you can see, it's very low-key here. <laughs> We encourage the drinking of alcohol. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have a problem with that. Uh, but, well, maybe, maybe he's in the program. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> so, SOS 2020, and those are the numbers, 20, like the year 2020, uh, pgh.org. Go and support a great cause. Oh, my goodness. So, what happened today in music? I have no idea. The Ludini Rock and Roll Circus <laughs> happened. That, too. That was a good thing. <laughs> uh, this day in 1968, Jimi Hendrix was jailed for one day in Stockholm, Sweden, Sweden. on drink charges after going berserk. Drink charges? That can't be right. It's got to be drug charges, right? And destroying everything in his room at the Gothenburg Hotel. It could be drinking charges. Really? I mean, I get violent Would when it? I drink sometimes. Depends on what I'm drinking. Whoa, dude. <laughs> You're cut off. No more. Kidding. <laughs> Uh, this day in 1969, Led Zeppelin, during the band's first North American tour, played the last of four nights at the Whiskey Agogo, Los Angeles, with Alice Cooper as the opening act. Zeppelin were billed as Zeppelin featuring Jimmy, Jimmy Page, formerly of the Yardbirds. That <laughs> is a mouthful. That sure is. <laughs> the, uh, the marquee? <clears throat> yeah. Like, that's like, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit much. Mm, yeah. Where what was a Alice mismatch Cooper's there, name? Yeah. That's a mismatch, Alice Cooper and Zeppelin. Holy crap. I don't know. <laughs> Is it? It's horror rock and classic rock. But it was 68, 69. I like, guess. <clears throat> things were a little bit more like. I, I don't. I think that in that era. It probably didn't People matter. were like a lot. I, I think in general, people like a lot more music. Like, like a lot more variety of music. I agree. Than we give them credit for. I mean, like, look, our fans will mention, you know, we focus a lot on rock and metal, uh, but our fans know who, like, we talked about Kenny Rogers last week passing away. So people were like, oh, a bummer. You we know, got like, fans that know who Exodus is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised about that sometimes. <laughs> and this day in 1973, Springsteen released his debut album, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, recorded in a single week. The album only sold about 25,000 copies in the first year of its release. Both Blinded by the Light and Spirits in the Night were released as singles, but neither made a dent in the charts. Manfred Mann's Earth Band later released a uh, version of Blinded by the Light on their album The Roaring Silence, which reached number one on the charts in 1977. Because they did it better. Sorry, Bruce. On this day in 1979, Prince made his live debut at the Capri Theater, Minneapolis. Warner Brothers executives attended the show but decided that Prince and the band needed more time to develop his music. I think he did okay. <laughs> this day in 1979, Charles Mingus, American jazz bassist, pianist, composer, and band leader, died at the age of 56. His compositions retain the hot and soulful feel of hard bop driving heavily from uh, drawing heavily from black gospel music and blues his final project was Mingus a collaboration with Joni Mitchell I actually might want to hear that <clears throat> uh, Joni was a big jazz fan she worked with people like uh, Jaco Pistorius and guys like that mm. Robin Ford this day in 1980, David Bowie appeared on Saturday Night Live from New York City performing The Man Who Sold the World, TVC 15, and Boys Keep Swinging with a specially prepared backing group including Blondie's Jimmy Destry on keyboards and Klaus Nomi and Joey Arius, Arius on back, backing vocals. So cool, Blondie and Bowie kind of hanging out together. That's definitely a thing. Oh, here we go. Some real rock and roll. <sighs> on this day in 1991, Iron Maiden uh, went to number one on the UK singles charts with Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Yes. The second single from their album, No Prayer for the Dying, became the lowest selling number one uh, uh, since 1960 
with just 42,000 copies sold in the first week. The song was originally recorded and released by Bruce Dickinson for the soundtrack to A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. But Iron Maiden bassist Steve Harris liked it so much, uh, he had Iron Maiden re-recorded. Interesting. I do love my some Iron Maiden. Uh, this is very sad here, and I like this dude. I thought this dude was okay. I never bought this thing that he smacked Cher around. I mean, did you ever see Cher? She could smack somebody I around. Think she'd be, I think she'd, she'd be doing she, the smacking. She did the smacking. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but American singer, producer, and politician Sonny Bono was killed in a skiing accident at a Gosh, resort I remember that. Uh, uh, near Lake Tahoe, age 62. Bono, who was one half uh, uh, of the Sonny and Cher, scored the 1965 hit number one single, I Got You, Babe, and became a U.S. congressman. The United States... Uh, the United States, Sonny Bono, Bono, <laughs> Sonny Bono, uh, Copyright Term Extension Act of 1998, which extended the term of copyright by 20 years, oh. was uh, named in honor of Bono when he was passed, when it was passed by Congress nine months after his death. Interesting. Um, funny story. Um, Sonny Bono and Bono met one time. Okay. It was on an elevator in Las Vegas. Okay. They got... Sonny got on an elevator, and Bono was on that elevator. And I don't know if there was if Sonny had been drinking or what, but he looked at Bono, and he put his finger on his chest, and he said, Bono. Bono. And he pointed at <laughs> himself and said, Bono. That sounds like drinking to me. But... Um, <laughs> If you're not familiar with uh, Kirsty McCall, Lily, you don't know what you're missing. Great singer, songwriter, musician. Was laid to rest at a private funeral uh, ceremony on this day in 2001. Um, ahead of a public memorial to pay tribute to her life, the singer, songwriter was killed in a boating accident on December 18th, 2000. Um, she was married to Jimmy Eovine, an amazing singer, songwriter. Um, Give me okay. something she did because that does not sound you. familiar to me. Do you remember the uh, Tracy Allman show? Yeah. They don't know the song. That's her song. That she oh, wrote that. I now Tracy Allman know. sang right. it for the show, but she wrote that and had a had a hit. Oh, with Oh, I didn't even know. So she's actually kind of poppy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do a few birthdays and we'll get the hell out of here. Birthday. Do we have anybody good? Oh, Phil Ramone. Happy birthday, Phil Ramone. Sam Phillips. There you go. Um. Oh wow! Nobody, <laughs> nobody. Uh, real uh, notes. Phil uh, Thornley, a songwriter, vocalist, guitarist from the British band uh, Johnny Hates Jazz. Also co-member, also a, a member of the Cure. Kate Schellenbach from Luscious Jackson. Luscious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Warner. With American rock band Marilyn Manson. A.K.A. Who, Marilyn Manson. Uh, A.K.A. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Happy birthday to Marilyn. Marilyn. Marilyn Manson. Uh, let's see here. And that's pretty much, not too much going that's on. That's the gist of it. Happy birthdays. Anyways, guys. Uh, Lily, tell everybody again about your show and about... Rock Rage Radio and why we love Rock Rage Radio. Once again, Rock Rage Radio is a worldwide online radio station who uh, provides music of all genres, but we like the rock and metal side of it. Um, they literally have anything for anyone, 24-7. Like, it's just fantastic. They do contests. They do countdowns. My show is Hot Licks with Lily 6, uh, 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Uh, I do mostly rock and metal on my show. do some interviews. Um, lots of good stuff just for anyone. So you definitely want to check them out because it will uh, bring you to light some new bands that you have never heard of who are not in the mainstream, but local bands. And don't forget, your most favorite like mainstream band was a local band at one time. Awesome. Rock, Ray, and your show again is when? 6 p.m. Thursdays, Hot Licks with Lily Six. Uh, please go to lulombardimusic.com. Get the free EP. Get notified about new music. I got new music coming out. I got a new band, and we're recording right now. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Plus, you get access to my private Facebook group. There's a lot of really cool people in there. We're just hanging about, talking about music. No politics, no bullshit. All the good stuff. Just fun rock talk, sharing music. You're going to find out about bands and stuff you didn't know about. I'm telling you, man, it's a very cool place. You want to check it out, go to lulombardimusic.com. Get all the information there. You get on my mailing list. And, of course, I want one more shout-out 
to wolfscustoms.online. Get that custom paint job on your guitar today. Go to wolfscustoms.online and check it out. Guys, you've been listening to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. As always, we had a great time. We love talking to you guys. Not sure what next week's show is going to be about. Lily and I are going to talk about it's that the album. in a few minutes. What? Oh, next week is the album. Right. The second week. Oh, we still doing it. We can do that in 2021? Yeah, I want to. Okay. Everybody loved that. Everybody loved that. So, <laughs> so as a second week and every... Uh, month we talk about an album so it's going to be a big surprise we'll let you guys know uh if you fo- if you're on my email list you'll get a, uh, some notice about that but definitely want to um check it out at uh, go to lulombardimusic.com to find out more about that guys thanks so much for hanging out with us and we'll catch you all on the next on the next what lily ludini the- rock and metal circus yeah baby <laughs> yeah 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 baby yeah, babe. <laughs> On the next Ludini Rock and Roll. So have a great one, guys. I'll catch you next week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.